the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoshio Podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Say before we say anything else. Yes. Somebody in Philadelphia was praying for those Eagles. That's the only way they won that game. <laughs> Somebody well, said, Lord, Lord, put a cramp in the kicker's leg. Yeah, isn't that something, man? You, uh, you won't see him next. Are you? Uh, are you? A, I know you like golf. We can chat about that too. Are you? A, are you a sports fan in general? Is an elephant heavy? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Well, so being a, a Los Angeles or at least California guy, but wait, but wait a second, I'm not a fan. Oh, I'm a, I am an aficionado Ooh. of about five sports. Well. Fan, Fans are like religious people. Yeah. This is a Christian station. The problem I have with religious people is they sometimes lose their focus on the object of their devotion and instead focus on the system whereby they serve. Ooh. And fans don't really have an appreciation of the game. They only want to see their team win. Now, I'm sure there are exceptions to that. I, I just haven't met any. <laughs> wow, see, we're only a minute into our conversation. We've already got enough packed in here to, you know, it's like a, ser- a three-point sermon almost. It's, you know. Well, my wife says I'm a very controversial person. She says I can't help it. Um, <laughs> I suppose after 45 years, she would know. That's that's amazing. What a blessing. Uh, Damon Wilson, Lamont Sanford is where people will know you from the most, from Sanford and Son, but you've also played a lot of other roles over the years. And uh, I'm the kind of person that likes a, like a broad view. I, I, I enjoy, for example, I understand you had a musical youth. I have five children, and they all are in music and acting. And so I'd love to touch well, on I have six. <laughs> are you telling me something? And, and none of them have any rhythm. Really? I would not lie to you. Okay, well, that's I, true. I confess my sins nightly on my knees, so I would have no reason to lie to you. You'd think, well, maybe one of them, you know, I started as a, as a dancer. They said, oh, your father, look at the way your father used to be. Not one of them has any rhythm. Wow. Well, that's okay. I'm sure you love them anyway, right? Not really. Okay. They're, they've been a lodestone <laughs> around my neck for years. <laughs> well, hopefully one day. So tell us about. Oh, they're grown. My my oldest is forty four. I don't. Grandma and I we live down in the desert. We we love to see them come visit us, but then when they go, we go. <laughs> well, I can you believe know, that. Raise six kids, you know, six kids is a that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of kids. I believe. And so we love them. We love them. We love them. They love their parents. They're always down here, unfortunately, and they come. They live in in Atlanta and in Orange County, and so none of them live down in the desert where we are, so they have to come two and a half hours to visit us, 
we tried to put a put ourselves far enough away. So we, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> my mom and dad lived in West Palm Beach for a number of years, and my family in Chattanooga, Nashville, and, and up here in PA. And so it, it kind of stands out. You know, it's the same thing. My dad would say how much he loves us, but it's also, you know, it's time to go after a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say? They say there's, there's two things that start smelling after a week. <laughs> Fish and house <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, Devon Wilson's our guest. And tell us, so so to clarify that before we move on, though, you've had a, called a lot of places home, right? You were in, in Texas for a while. You were in New York. You're no, 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 no. I, I ministered a lot in Texas. Okay. I never lived there. Okay. As a matter of fact, I played my first game of golf in 1989 at the um, the place up, up, up in, up in uh, Houston where the uh, prison is. The Woodlands. Yeah. Oh, wow. Where I played my first game of I don't know where that came from. I just, I know why it came from, because I did an interview uh, on NBC. Yeah. And a friend of mine let me use his his, his home to, to shoot the interview, and we were sitting out by the pool, and the guy asked me, well, where is this? And I told him, and, they, and so they started putting in the paper that, that, that I lived in Texas. No, never. Okay. I love Texas. I mean, I, I've driven the state, man. I used to. I stopped at a filling station, and I said, when am I going to get to the, de- the desert? And I said, desert? This ain't no desert. You're in Texas, boy. <laughs> said, this, look, I ain't seen nothing green in 180 miles. This is, this is desolate. And you're telling the truth because I drove my brother, or he drove me. It was a U-Haul. I was 18 at the time, not allowed to drive the U-Haul. From Philly to California, he worked for a focus on the family, it was a five-day trip. When I got to California, we, we had driven through Texas. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, this is endless. This is not, But I got to well, California, my right arm was tan. My left arm was normal. Left arm is normal. <laughs> I, have, uh, I, I don't have that problem. I'm one of the melanin kids, so both my arms are always have a hue. Lamont Sanford is the role that people will know you most from but long before that you had a lot going on you mentioned the musical start the ballet tap dance Broadway you were in uh, Vietnam as well right you served in the army yeah um, US 516 12294 Grady D. Wilson Jr. Republic of Vietnam 1966-1967 Decorated, honored. So, thank you yeah. for your service. Well, you're you're a day late and a dollar short on that one, my friend. Well, when I a... came home, I was I was chastised and spat on. Hmm. But now, you know, people are saying thank you for your service, and I go, eh. <laughs> Fifty years ago, I could have used you. I was born in 1968, and this is our first conversation. Maybe a little grace would be okay. <laughs> I should be. I should be. I got ties older than you. <laughs> Oh man! Well, hey, so do somebody you... says, you know, I said that to somebody on the golf course the other day. This young kid, he was running off the mouth, and I was doing Coco Crisp's uh, a tournament. He used to play with the Oakland A's. Sure. His dad is a, is a is a buddy of mine for like for like twelve years now, and I said to this kid, he was in the golf cart. He was he was starting to get on my nerves, and I said, he was talking about stuff, you know, for 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 millennials, the nineties is old school. Hmm. And he was talking. I said, "You know what, kid? I got ties older than you." He said, "Well, you know, you need to upgrade your tie wardrobe." I said, "I, I said I, he thought he had me." I said, "I didn't say I wore them. I said I had them." That's but I'm bummed. You got them. 
Well, you 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 know how you you've had to think on your feet probably many a time over the years with what. Well, you're... that's what a straight man does. That's why they chose me to be opposite Fox because not too many people can hold could have held their own yeah. with with Red. But I was. They thought the person. They said we need to hire this kid. I did that all in the family spot. They said he's got. He's a, he's a good actor. He's a Broadway actor, theater actor, but his his timing is impeccable, and that's what you need for comedy. You know, so many people would come on the show and they would step on laugh lines, and Red would say, it, 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 "There's a live audience out there. You have to listen." You know, like acting is reacting, and writing is rewriting. Rewriting. That's that's all it takes. And to be a good liar, to be a good actor, you got to be a good liar. DeMond Wilson's or, to be, or to be a husband for more than 15 years. Ooh, <laughs> no. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I think your wife is nearby. Am I sensing that? She's always nearby. Because <laughs> she has a ball and chain on her leg and one on her we, do you have time to? Can, we, I'd love to chat with you for a while. We have a break we need to take. Can you hang on for a couple minutes and uh, give sure. your wife a hug and then we'll come or whatever and then we'll uh, continue our chat? Forty-five years of marriage, six kids. I'm a very patient man. Amen. All right, we'll do that. Devon Wilson's our guest. Uh, you listen to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM five sixty WFIL WFIL dot com. Looking forward to continuing our chat in just a moment. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons four till five on AM five sixty WFIL and at WFIL dot com. Four fifteen. AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Devon Wilson's our guest. You'll know him from a lot of different places. Probably first and foremost from his role as Lamont Sanford and Sanford and Son. We were actually touching on that briefly before the break. Uh, Devon, my producer Joe said, ask him about the straight, uh, straight guy thing. He said, uh, Dean Martin, Bud Abbott, Chico and Harpo Marx, he considers some of the best. But like, what, what goes into it in addition to perhaps having a great sense of timing like you were talking about? Well, you have to have a sense of humor. You have to have a comedic, a comedic sense of humor. All those guys you just mentioned, even though they were straight men, had a comedic sense of humor. Bud Abbott, um, there was no straight man for the Marx Brothers. They were just nuts. Um, you know, uh, you know, a Ron and Martin, a Dan Ron that. Uh, and 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 um, the laughing guys, yeah. Ron and Martin, sure, and and uh, Jerry Lewis and, and Dean Martin definitely had a sense of humor, and and never drank. I don't know people always thought he drank. He used to have ginger ale in the cup. Hmm. It takes uh, it takes a, a, a sense of humor. It takes timing, and most importantly, a straight man has to listen. You know, you got to sense and feel what. You know, the comedian is saying they wanted to uh, put Richard Pryor next to Red. And, and Buddy Yorkin said, no, you can't do that. You can't have Who's going to be a straight man? You, got, you have guys out here. That wouldn't be good. It would be over the top. So you need you need to have somebody to Red Fox, Fred Sanford, both were ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and without somebody to rein them in or to rein either one of those people in, it would have been when they first told me we were going to do a show with Red Fox. We wanted to know if you want to play a son, and I went Red, Red Fox, Red Fox. Are you kidding? <laughs> you want to put him on television? They said, Yeah. 
So I went to Vegas to meet Red, and, 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 and by far, he was the funniest guy at that time that I had ever heard in my life. We met in his garage at, 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 at 3 o'clock in the morning because he had a midnight show down in Glitter, Glitter Gulch, and I was over at Caesars, and I went with Aaron Lubin to Vegas, and we met him and sat with him in his garage and mapped out, mapped out the show, and everything that you said was like that he, he had something funny to say about it. I've never seen a man on his on thinking on his feet like Red did that night. Aaron said to me, what did you think? I said, I think the man is a genius to be able to do that. I mean, he's got filthy mouth, but he's, he's, he's a genius. Yeah. I, I've never met anybody that could, could just ad-lib just like that, just like that. I look at these kids today, and I see a product of that because uh, thoughts spawned prior of that ilk. Yeah. Of that, you know, and prior spawned Murphy. And all these other little filthy mouth guys, they, they are the great, great grandsons of Red Fox and that blue humor. Because I know Frank Sinatra wanted uh, um, him to, to play Vegas with him, and Red wouldn't clean up his act. And then when I started playing Vegas, the main showrooms, um, I said to Red, I said, Fox, if you let some writers put together some material for you, we can go to Vegas. I said, I'm making a ton of money. We can make twice that. He said, I, I don't, I, I just, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. I got to do my material. Here you come telling me what I need to do. I said, hey, fine, don't make no money. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, Demond Wilson's our guest. You're listening to the Tim DeMond Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. So how was it for you growing? Would you say the role you kind of had to grow into and get used to Red Fox or or did you ever think, you know, maybe this is not going to work? Or, or how how did growth go? I, well, you know, somebody somebody said to me, you, you know, you guys were so good together. And that's because, you know, if you have a, a show and the, and the protagonist, the leads in the show, if there's no synergy, you, you can see it. You know, Red and I couldn't act what we did. We genuinely had affection for one another. And that's what came across. And what you saw us doing Fred Sanford and Lamont Sanford, that relationship on screen was the exact relationship we had off screen. Hmm. And that group without exactly, that's what we had. People would come around us and they go, are you guys rehearsing lines? <laughs> and we go, no. This is, this is who we are. Uh, when I first met Fox, he, it, was, um, it was mentor and student. Then it became big brother and younger brother. And then it became partner. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, wow. a, that's a beautiful story. I was going to ask you what that dynamic was, and I bet it did change over time. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I, I, I've never had, I think in my life, I've had a lot of uh, people that influence my life, and there's not one that I can think of that, that had, an, had an influence and an impact on my life like, like, like Fox. Um, it was just sad the way that we ended because I was walking down the hall at NBC and Abernathy, who was the anchor at NBC in those days, said to me, Demond, he says, uh, how do you feel about uh, the legacy, I mean, the, you know, going away? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't see the papers? I said, what papers? He said, the trade papers. I said, I don't read that. But so what is it saying? He said, Red Fox has said he's throwing the towel in. And I was hurt 
I never, we never said a cross word to one another, but it hurt me because we always bounced off each other. If they asked where to do something, he said, ask, ask. He called me demon, ask the demon, whatever you want to do, that's what we do. <laughs> and we always bounced things off of each other in, 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 in terms of decision making. But I thought, hey, that's what you want to do, cool. But, you know, give me a, give me a heads up. I'm, I mean, it's almost like I'm not in the loop. And, and, and so that hurt. And I never said anything, but it, 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 for the last season of the show, there was a, a separation that was palpable and visible. Um, I wasn't concerned. He put a lot of people out of work, but I wasn't one of them because CBS was standing in the wing with a million-dollar contract for me to sign to do Baby, I'm Back. So, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. They had been hounding me, hounding me for the last two years. Hey, demand. Hey, demand. I said, I'm like, I can't. I'm going to quit this show. Are you nuts? And so when he announced that, um, I called him up and I said, Well, bring the money. I'm yours. But that hurt. And I didn't see Fox after 1977 until 1983. Okay. And I was playing tennis in those days at Malibu Racquet Club, and a bunch of producers said, hey, come on, can you bring us to Red? We want to um, do his 50th uh, show business anniversary. And I said, well, you know, I haven't talked to Red in seven, eight years. I said, I, I said plus, you know, he's a very difficult person to, to deal with in terms of business. And they insisted, insisted, insisted. So I called Vegas down there. He was wall-to-walling it down in Little Gulch. And Prince Spencer, who used to dance with the Step Brothers, was uh, managing it. And, and, and I said, uh, who's this? He said, this is this Prince. I said, I said, this is DeMond. He said, oh, my goodness, DeMond. He said, Red is about to come off stage. He's going to flip when he hears you on the phone. And so he came back there. He said, hey, Damon. I said, Fox, when are you going to be in L.A. next? I've got some people here who want to give you some money. And he had, at the time, was before the government took it, he had offices over on La Brea. And I had warned him, I forewarned him, I said, no, he's not going to be easy to deal with. And he showed his entire repertoire on these guys and ended up doing a crappy little 50th anniversary thing, standing in front of a curtain. And they had a check, a pretty sizable check that they were going to give him um, if he uh, had signed. And that was 1982, 83 was the last time I saw him. Hmm. And he passed, I guess, in the uh, was it early 90s. I think Same year my mother passed, 92. Yeah. Damon Wilson's our guest, uh, Lamont Sanford and Sanford and Son, along with Red Fox. And uh, you mentioned CBS, the series uh, Baby I'm Back, and then the New Odd Couple after that. Um, speak for a second, if you want, in parentheses here, you wrote a book about some of these things so uh, called Second Banana, the bittersweet memoirs of Sanford and Son. So folks can look that up. Uh, to, to yeah, my further. first book was The New Age Millennium. Yeah. An expose of symbols, slogans, and hidden agendas, which got me in a whole lot of trouble <laughs> with a whole lot of people. And I was labeled a conspiracy theorist. And now, 20 years later, the things that I wrote about in that book are happening now. Hmm. I've not heard one person come to me and say, you know, you were right about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that doesn't often happen, does it? Never yeah. in my lifetime, and I'm 72. You, you mentioned forgiving Red, and and your faith obviously comes into play with it, I would think, uh, comes into play with that. Whether it's that or other things, but could you share a little bit about how your faith c- comes into play with that or, or in, in you know, day-to-day well, life? I had a, at, that, at 
that point, I hadn't made, um, I've always had his presence in my life, Yahshua, Hamashiach. There's no J in Hebrew, but people say, Jesus, yes, yeah, so Jesus, look at, look at, uh, look at, I have a Hebrew Bible, and, you know, J is a Y. Um, yep. But I hadn't made, um, how can I put it? I grew up totally ensconced in, in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And I had my, my, my children when they were young. We lived in Beverly Hills. They went to the Good Shepherd where all the celebrity kids went. And it was right around 1982, the end of 82, that I was tired. I was burned out. I was tired of it. I, I always hated Hollywood and what it stood for. And so I started studying and I, I, I started finding things and, 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 I, and I started crying out to him. And I asked him to reveal himself to me. And I wasn't broke. I wasn't, I wasn't broke down. I just was tired. I, it was appalling. My mother said when she came to the church and I was christening, walking down the aisle with my second born, uh, Melissa, who lives in Atlanta, with a very wealthy husband. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, look, look, she told my dad, God rest his soul, said, look, the mom's going to, he's going to, he's going to preach. And so I did not know that it was him all the time. Sometimes we think that we are in charge of our lives, and we are not. Everything that I had become, he had put mentors in my life to bring me along, to bring me along until I had visibility. And once I had the visibility that I needed, he filled me up, and I went around the world preaching the gospel. And... Yahweh, my Elohim, came into my life and filled me up. And nothing has been able to do that. Um, someone said to me, I get awkward spits all the time. And I said, I can't do that. I'm not going to perpetuate that all black men are, are, are deadbeats and leave the kids. And the I said, I'm not going to do that. Well, he redeems himself. I said, hey, I put 45 years in the trenches raising my family. My kids are college-educated. They're all doing well. They're all successful. I am not going to go on television and portray. And they said, well, well, was that the only role they did? I said, look at what Hollywood is putting out. Everything is either a green screen comic book movie or it's vile. They're killing. They're murdering. It's immorality. I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to put, put, put myself on, on, out there with that kind of nonsense. I said, let, let the others do it. I mean, I suppose if I had to do it, you know, I would choose the lesser of the evils, but, you know, there's a story about uh, my friend Tiger Hill from Philadelphia is doing this, this story on, uh, on Morse. He used to be uh, the NAACP leader back in the 70s. And, yeah. Hey, hon? Yeah, Cecil B. Moore. He's doing that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Tiger Hill, good man, does a lot of documentaries out of Philly, grew up in Philly. His father was in Vietnam. The Marines was captain, a major, same time I was there. Uh, his grandfather was Filipino, and he's a very talented young man. I met him up in uh, Parsippany, New Jersey. I was doing an autograph signing up there. He sent me a script on Cecil Moore, and I told him, I said, I love this. I was not cognizant of this man. And I used to play Philly, the, the Forest Theater, back in the, in the 60s and 70s. And Red and I used to play the Forest, that's the forest Theater, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Red and I used to play the Forest Theater. I, I did I did plays there uh, uh, right after I came from Vietnam, and I had never heard of Cecil Moore. I mean, uh, <clears throat> and the guy was absolutely um, off the wall, 
but he did some good things. And he wanted me to play the Judas Iscariot to that character. And I said, I, I, refuse, I refuse to do that. I said, do you remember an actor, a jazz singer named Carl Anderson? I said, he had a very promising career. He married Ali's ex. Okay. And he did Judas Iscariot in Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway and in the film. And his career went to the, to the, to the morgue. Hmm. I said, I'm not going to play a Judas for any black man, any man of color, or any man who's doing anything positive. If he's really doing anything positive, I don't give a rat's tail what his personal life is like. That's between him and his maker. So uh, if he's doing something positive that's going to affect the people or the world or the planet, then I'm, I'm not going to try to pull him down because they say, you know, black people are like crabs in a barrel. And as one person gets up, the other one pulls him down. So he called me the other day and he said, Demond, you got to do the movie. The woman's got the money now. And she said, why doesn't Demond want to do it? And he said, he's a man of integrity. He's not going to play a Jesus character. So he said, i got to find some of you in the, in the play. And my wife in the background chimed in and said, he could play a judge. And he said, bingo. <laughs> so so Tiger, Tiger Hill, he did some documentaries out of Philly on the mafia. Look all this. Look all this up. I'm jotting my notes down. We're going to take very, a... talented, very talented young man. You need to have him on 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 your show. I'd love to. If, if he, uh, uh, preferably before he goes into production. Okay. Do you, Demond? Do you have a second to continue? We just have to do another break. Do you have Absolutely. A... No, I'm fine. I, this is my my lunch break. I've been writing. I wake up at five a.m. I started writing at six. <laughs> okay. Very good. This is the Tim Demond Show, AM five sixty WFIL. WFIL.com. Damon Wilson, our guest, well known for his role as Lamont Sanford and Sanford and Son. We're covering a lot of ground today. We'll be back in just a minute on AM 560 WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 430, 434, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for doing so. Cloudy evening ahead, low 28. Some sun and clouds tomorrow. 52 the high. Then we drop into the 40s Wednesday and 30s Thursday through the weekend. Eagles 16-15 over the Bears yesterday. Chargers won. Uh, so now we have eight teams to go. Eagles are at New Orleans this Sunday afternoon at 440. On Saturday, Indianapolis at KC. Dallas at the Rams. On uh, Saturday night, and then Sunday afternoon, the Chargers at the Patriots. Our uh, guest today right now, privileged to have Damon Wilson, known for his role as Lamont Sanford and Sanford and Son, along with Red Fox. He was in a number of other comedies and has done other acting roles and served the Lord and, and currently does as a pastor and as a speaker, and he's done a lot of things over the years. I, but on the, I wanted to make sure I asked you this, because at least you're California-based, right? And are you, are you a, either a Chargers or Rams fan? Or, I told you I'm, I'm not a fan. Yo, that's right. I, aficionado. I, Sorry. Absolutely. I watch basketball and I have players that I like, you know, that I think that, that, that are exemplary. I grew up in Harlem in New York, so, you know, basketball was an integral part of, uh, of my childhood growing up, along with baseball. And I just, I just, I appreciate the game. And whenever I see it being played well, then I enjoy it. But just a fan, I, I want to go back and, and, and clear something up sure. to your listeners. 
what I said earlier, yeah. because I know there are people out there that um, don't have an ear. You know, the word says to he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Yeah. So some people don't have an ear to hear, but I want to clear it up. I want to walk it so they can understand it. When I made the statement that religion, religion is a system, not created by the Creator, but by man. And whenever you get a man involved in anything, you're going to have a problem. If you look at the Old Testament, men got in charge, and, and, and they just messed up everything, and they were punished, and then some more got in there, and they messed up everything, and they were punished. And they, So religion is losing sight. You know, when I said I do to my wife, I knew her on the surface. You know, and and a wedding is a very formal thing. I mean, we didn't get married in 45 years. We got married at the courthouse mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills. Um, had our honeymoon, and and I, I mean, you know, we went to the Beverly Hills Lounge and had champagne. And and I went home. She wasn't feeling well, and she went upstairs and went to bed. And I had beans and franks, and I watched the Lakers playoff game. So um, wow. we started to get to know each other real well. But a system, a a system is formal. You know, when I used to go to Mass, it was formal. It was like there was no intimacy. The Creator, Yeshua Messiah, is looking for intimacy. He's looking to know you. You know, people go and say, Preacher, I need you to pray for me. What's wrong with your mouth? <laughs> but, I, but I need you to Well, what is wrong with your mouth, sister? I tell you what, the best I can do, I'll pray with you. But pray for you? Why don't you pray for you? Even if you can't make a sound, you can pray in your heart. I went to a hospital when I was leaving Florida one year, and uh, the, the pastor, was woman in the church, said, Brother Wilson, I believe you're the man to see him. And they ushered me to the airport, but they stopped at the hospital, and they took me into a room with a man who was dying of cancer. It was on a, on a, on a Friday, and they said he won't live to see Monday. And the doctor came over and he said, oh, man, it's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Wilson. He said, I just gave him a shot. I don't know. He'll be around in about 10 minutes. Can you wait? I said, sure. And I don't know if you've been around cancer, but it's, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't. It, it's, it's a terrible smell. Yeah. smell of death hung in the air. And I went in and I, and I was sitting outside and I was praying. And I said, Father, what can I say to this man? He said, just start talking to him. I'll put the words in your mouth. And so <clears throat> I said down next to him, and he opened his eyes briefly, and his eyes were like yellow, like a cat. And they were kind of goopy, and the nurse wiped, wiped them away, and, and, and I started to whisper. I told him who I was, and he was trying to think, and then he looked, and he gave me a, it wasn't a smile, it was a grimace. And I said, do you, do, do you know, do you ha- are you having a relationship with Yeshua Messiah? And, and he shook his head, no. I said, would you like to? And he shook his head, yes. And I said, I know you can't speak, but just say this with me. And I had him open his heart. I, I kissed him on the forehead. I said, if I don't see you here, I'll see you in glory. I left, flew home. Next, the next Saturday, you, never, you, you ever have a phone ring in your house and you know you have to answer it? Well, this was in the days before. I had a, I had a, a mobile phone, but, it, you know, this was house phoning in those days. Yeah. And I ran downstairs, and it was the sister from the church. She said, Brother Wilson? I said, yes. She said, do you remember the man you prayed for last? Uh, it was two weeks later. Two, week, uh, two weeks ago? I said, sister, I, don't, I pray for a lot of people. Who is this? She said, you, 
you were down here in Florida at the church, and we took you to the hospital soon. I said, oh, yes, yes, yes. Did he pass away? He said, no. An hour after you left, he got up, walked around the hospital, started telling people that what happened in his life. Monday morning, he went to work. Wow. That's the creator that I know. That's my Elohim, my Messiah. You know, you know people say, well, I heard some, some, somebody say over there, the, the, the miracles are no longer in existence. That was a long time ago. People don't perform miracles. God doesn't do that. I said, first, and, first of all, what God are you talking about? Because he told us not to call him God. God, you've got a plurality of gods in the Old Testament. Even, 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 even Yahweh said, I don't want you going after these other mighty gods. And you've, you've got, that's one of the reasons I hated Hollywood, because it's devil worship. It's, it's, it's satanic. They, they destroy lives, and, and, and it, it, it's, 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 it's just pathetic. But getting back to what I wanted to say about religion, yeah. you've got to break that wall down and know him for yourself, not through your pastor. People come to me and say, Brother Richard, you need to come to my church. I said, why? My pastor, my pastor, my pastor. I said, what about you, you, you? What do I need to go? If he's a brother, if he knows, if he knows Yahweh, if he knows Yahushua, if he knows, if he knows them, then just tell him. I said, hello, brother. I don't, I don't need to hear somebody expound on the specificities of 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 uh, of, of, of lesser doctrines. You don't base theology on a lesser doctrine, but you got people out here doing it at the Baptist Church. You got the Pentecostal Church, the Oneness, the Acts two thirty eight. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and I'll give you the Holy Ghost. That's a, that's a lesser doctrine. You don't base your theology on that. So I found a whole lot of inconsistencies in these churches, aside from the pimps, many of them who stand behind the rostrum. And I, I just, you know, I would go and pastors would say to me, oh, "Brother Wilson, we need you to come." And I said, "Why?" Well, we just heard your message, and we need you to come. I said, let me ask you a question, brother. If you had 10,000 people sitting in, in 10,000 seats on Sunday morning, would you invite me to come to your church? I said, what's your church hold? He said, oh, about 500. I said, I bet you don't have more than 100 members. He said, we're right around 99. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, That's you know, funny. Yeah. I, so I can't, your religion is a system, and I find few people that have broke that system down, they're into that whole religious thing. The choir, who are choir, boy, they can sing. Well, I tell them, I say, but yeah, but they're singing to please people. I go to these churches, and, and it, it, there's a spirit in there, but it's, it's not the spirit of, of, of the Creator. It's the fleshly spirit. It's like if, you, if you're saved and sanctified, you can listen to Michael Jackson and get goosebumps. You can hear boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. And you go, oh, I felt that. <laughs> well, that's what they—that's what they're singing in church is to the flesh. When you when you go up when you are up in the spirit individually in your prayer closet on your knees. Sometimes I start praying, and I I pray for my family two three times a day because they're in different parts of the country. And all of a sudden, I go, boom! I'm in the spirit, and the praise that comes out of my mouth doesn't sound anything like the jukebox music in a lot of these churches. 
Now, I know I'm going to make a lot of enemies. Um, I'm 72. I don't apologize for truth. Truth is like rain. It doesn't care who it falls on. You can put your best suit and suede shoes on and say, oh, man, I got wet. Well, the rain don't care about your new suit and your suede shoes. Neither does the truth. It has been a, a privilege having you on today, and I I, uh, I don't want to keep. We have another. Well, we have another break to do, and I don't want to keep you too long. But I I, uh, I I know you had mentioned that you're doing some writing. Do you have enough time for us to hit one more short break and come back and just hear what you're working on currently? You're, you're in enough trouble now. You might as well go to the end. <laughs> okay, we'll take a short break. Uh, Demond Wilson is on our program. It's the Tim Demond Show on AM five sixty WFIL. Uh, you would know him as Lamont Sanford, and Sanford and Son was in a number of other comedies, including Baby, I'm Back in the late 70s and The New Odd Couple in the early 80s, and uh, has segued to, as the Lord called him, into being a pastor and sharing the gospel and a lot of other roles of being a blessing in this world. We'll continue our conversation here in just a moment. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 449 AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. We've had the privilege of having DeMond Wilson on this hour. Lamont Sanford and Sanford and Son, along with Red Fox. Uh, we've talked about a lot of those years, talked about his... Uh, growing up and the faith and how God's gotten a hold of him over the years. And uh, in terms of, I guess, when you were wrapping up the the TV side of things, uh, DeMond, you know, was there anything at that time specifically that you just felt God tugging at you? Was he even tugging at you during the years of Sanford and Son? And, uh, always. Know, yeah. that's, what I, that's, a, that's what I said. The, the awareness was always there. You know, sometimes we carry things in us and we don't even know they're there. And we mm. think that we are in charge of our lives. I was called as a child. I, I always felt his presence, uh, no matter what happened, no matter what situation I was in. I always came out favorably, and there were always people that came into my life that helped me get to the next stage. And as I said before, I reiterate, when I got prominence and <clears throat> notoriety so that people knew me worldwide, um, yeah. that's when he said, okay, that's now cool. put your time in with me. You know, you gave, you gave, you gave, you gave it 15 years. You made a lot of money. You have a beautiful family. Now I, I want to use you for my purpose. One of the and things. That's I, yeah. Go right ahead. And that's when I knew um, I was in Bel Air behind gates. You had to go through a guard gate to get to my house. And I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm praying and I'm believing. And the spirit is saying to me, I'm going to use you. I'm going to send you out on the field. And I didn't know anybody that had anything to do with organized religion other than in the Catholic Church. And I had a gardener named Rodan Ramos. It came uh, to, to do the gardening, and it was I was studying, and I said, oh, man, this is just like the adversary. I'm trying to study, and he's out there by the, by the tennis court kicking the lawnmower on, and the Spirit said, get up and, and go talk to him. And I said, well, yeah, but he didn't speak very much English, and I only know clip the bush. I don't know Spanish. <laughs> and so I, I went out, and I was able to communicate with him, and that was the first time that 
uh, I had a word of knowledge for this man. I asked him where his wife was, and he said, in Mexico. And I said, you're not faithful to her, are you? And one thing led to another, and I and he knelt down there, and I led him um, uh, to the Lord. And I said, I'm going to find you a church, because that's all I knew in those days. And I went and I saw that the, the, the only number I knew to call was TBN. And I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited. And uh, finally the woman got on it. And I said, she, she said, praise the Lord. I said, yeah, I'm calling for my gardener, trying to find a church for him to worship. I think this Hispanic church in Culver City. And she said, who am I talking to? Your voice is very familiar. My wife said I have a distinctive voice. And so... I said, she said, who am I speaking? What is your name? I said, Demond Moses. She said, oh, my Lord. She said, um, did you drive a black and silver Rolls Royce? I said, yes. She said, I, my husband and I just moved to California, and we were up in uh, uh, Law Canyon, and we got lost, turned around. And I, I flagged you down, and I asked you if you could help us get back down to Sunset. And she said, not only did you tell us, you took us. She said, I never forgot that. What are you doing now? I said, I'm waiting on the Lord. She said, oh, that's so precious. Would you hold on and let me get uh, Paul and Jan on the phone? And when um, um, God uses whoever he will to bring about his, his, his will. And so <clears throat> they got on the phone. They invited me on the show, and my ministry exploded. It, it went worldwide. And just that simple. I had no idea. He kept saying to me, I'm going to use you. Just keep, just keep putting the time in. Keep learning my word and I'm going to open up a ministry for you. And I'm thinking, how? And, but I didn't want to doubt. You know, I didn't want to be doubting Thomas. And I said, okay, Lord, I believe you. Wherever you lead me, I believe you. And my family's looking at me like I'm crazy. And people are saying, you're going to walk away from all of this to, 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 to go out and, and, and preach? Are you nuts? People would give their life. They sell their soul for this, and that's what you're going to do? Said, it, it looks that way. <laughs> um, I, I got called to do a commercial for... Uh, 100K in Japan. He said, you got a lot of fans in Japan. I said, what's the product, man? He said, well, they said they're going to they're gonna fly you in first class and suite and all. I said, what's the product? He said, they, they got a check for 100K. You come over to the office today, we'll sign it to you. When you come back, there's another 50K. I said, what is the product? He said, Karen Beer. I said, I can't do it. Mm. He said, why? Who's going to see it in Japan? I said, my father. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. And everybody was looking at me like I'm crazy. They said, we live, we live in Bel Air. The mortgage on this joint is $8,000 a month. What are you going to do? I went and did a meeting in Florida. And on the way back home, my manager called me up and he said, I just, my Christian manager, he said, I just booked you for the next six months to the tune of a hundred K. And I said, well, he knows how to take care of his children too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Now I'm not telling I'm not telling you war stories. I'm not exaggerating or or, or, or uh, what's that word? Embellishing. Uh, embellishing. Thank you, Wells Fargo. I, I have a difficult time expressing myself. <laughs> uh, my wife uh, is sitting here. She 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 said I, I'm a witness. She's a Philly girl. You said right? Yes. She grew up in Germantown. That's like 15 minutes from here. She went to Germantown High School. She was uh, Jack and Jill, you know. Yeah. Wow. That's really uh, cool. That's her well, father was a, a police detective. You know, I have a feeling that uh, combined with the things you're also working on, 
that maybe maybe as you're uh, you know getting closer to putting out a book, we could chat again about the book and and some more related topics. Would that be uh, absolutely? It's not. I'm not writing a book. I'm writing a screenplay here. Okay. So yeah, my two books, my two books are uh, The New Age Millennium and uh, Second Banana, and they're on demandwilson.org. However, right now, Second Banana is out of stock. I can't keep it stocked. I mean, this thing is selling all over. We sell books in Wales. We sell books in Scotland. We sell books. I mean, I just can't keep them. Um, so uh, I, I feel sad that people were over the holidays. I had a whole lot of people. I said it's a hard copy book with a glossy cover. They can't print those things overnight. It's not some little crappy paper paperback book. Yeah, it's a it's coffee table size books, and it, and it, and it takes a, it takes a minute to print all that out. Speaking of a minute, we have about a minute left, and so tell me, just you touched on the screenplay. Can you give a quick synopsis of it? Then next time we chat, we'll go further into it. A- absolutely, it's it's called S. Holmes P.I. Okay, and it's about a young lady who. Her father was a corporate investigator, and their last name is Holmes. Okay. And he named her Shalika. All you right. You can fill in the dots. All right. All right. So that's just a little how, – and how far along are you? Is it going to take, take a while, you think, yet? Um, well, you know, like I said before, writing is rewriting. So you, what you do is you get these ideas, and they flow, and you put them down, and then – you know, they're formatted, uh, industry standard, and, and then you go back before you get too deep into it because you always find things that um, you, you overlooked in your zeal to put it down on, 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 on you know, to type it. Right. And so I'm uh, probably the uh, first 20 pages. <clears throat> okay. All right. So we'll, we'll reconnect again as it gets a little closer, and, and maybe we could do a part of the show to just talking through that a little bit, or as much as you'd like to share. I like to put the ball in the guest court to, to share what's on their heart. So uh, we've, we've had the privilege of, of doing this today and covering a lot of ground. Thank you so much, Damon. God well, bless you. it was you. a blessing to somebody. Uh, I bet it is. You do what you do is under the Lord, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, and he uses it. So hello to your wife, and uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless you. That's uh, Damon Wilson, Damon Sanford, and Sanford and Son. Privilege to have him on the podcast. This fine broadcast will be up about an hour from now. Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, joins us uh, next to lead in prayer and then Truth for Life with Alice today. God bless you. Have a great rest of the afternoon and evening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.